Welcome again, friends, neighbors, and anyone willing to lend an ear. This is my fifth podcast now, as well you may know. And I want to tell you, I'm kind of getting the hang of it, I think, if you know what I mean. Well, let's get on with it then. First off, I'll say thank you to one and all for taking your precious time to listen to this segment of the Christian Patriot Hour podcast. I'm simply delighted to share with you my thoughts, my insights, and certainly my prayers. My father used to tell me to always pray about everything, for well we know prayer changes not only things or circumstances in our life, prayer changes me and you, and that is of the highest priority of our Savior, to change us into the image of his glorious likeness. For if you're a Christian, we're going to be walking with Jesus on streets of gold throughout all of eternity. So then, you're probably wondering, what am I going to talk about today anyway? Well, I'm going to talk about the time of the seasons for sure, telling you a little bit about their meaning and ultimately the impact they have upon our daily lives. For as you know, God has established not only time, but the seasons of the year that time is ordered to follow in. And early fall happens to be just about my most favorite time of the year, incidentally, especially the month of October, and the cool, crisp winds of change it brings. October, of course, is also a melancholy time of the year, in that as we see the beauty of God's creation all about, we also know that fall is bringing with it the waning moments of life cycle, whereas you may say it is a picture of dying and the winter that it follows in is the death of sleep that all creation must succumb to. Death, of course, is a part of life, and and yet in the hopeful aspect of perception, our hope is in the blessed assurance, whereas Jesus Christ is our life and resurrection. Without further ado, let's enter together into the waters of greater perception. Main point one. As it were, I was talking about the month of October, wasn't I? And yet I should clarify at this point how the mid to latter part of September must also be considered in this season of time. For somewhere about the middle of September until very late October, we enter into a significant and special time of the year for much religious contemplation and observances and I will be directly referring to Judeo-Christian observances in this instance and nothing more, while there are other religions who do observe the holiest traditions of their faith. I set my heart on my own Christian heritage and belief, and of course the Jewish religion is all a part of that heritage for Christian followers. For well we know Jesus Christ was Jewish-born in the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the path, then, in which we will be walking, and the focus, curiously enough, will be upon happiness. Of course, joy and peace are a given in the Christian doctrine, wherein through Christ we may find joy in the midst of sorrow, we may find peace in the midst of turmoil. But happiness, my friends, ah, now that is elusive and rare. What is happiness anyway? if not but a moment in time for one to feel good about themselves or something which just has occurred or is taking place. I've lived long enough to tell you there is nothing wrong with happiness, but I wouldn't waste my time pursuing it. 
for often it will not only lead you astray in the pursuit of it, but many times it shall leave you terribly disappointed. And they say at this point in history that we Americans are becoming a rather unhappy people and wasting a lot of energy and precious time pursuing things which we think will make us happy, but they will not. And the stark reality is this, people don't need to tell you they're unhappy, for it is often written on their face. I'm being realistic here, and you know it. I'm being truthful, and many times we do not want the truth, especially if truth happens to tamper with our dreams and fantasies. Let's face it, people are self-centered. We, are, we all are to some degree. Not that we don't care for others or do nice things for people. Still, we want to have total control over the destiny of our own lives. That is called human nature, and that is closely regarded along with human pride. And pride, if you will remember, the Lord has said is one of the seven deadly sins. It is a human trait we have acquired in our fall from grace, passed on from one generation to the next from our first parents, Adam and Eve. Pride is one of the sins in which we commit wherein the Lord perfectly detests this sin, of willful self-centered adulation, for it flies in the face of his righteousness and his holiness and goes against his perfect right to be the master of our fate and the caretaker of our souls. Now I do not want to deviate too much here, but I need to say enough so that you understand where I am going with all this. I think most people would agree we are living, if not in perilous times quite yet, then at the very least they are foreboding times of uncertainty and unrest and much unhappiness. I've said it before and I've written about it in my book, but I shall say it again. America is on a collision course in her destiny with God, for we be have become a nation consumed in the consumption of all things. In days long gone by, long gone by, in times of old, in the days of Moses even, they would have called our problem simply what it is with one word idolatry. We have broken the first commandment of God, that is, thou shalt have no other gods before me, Exodus, 20th chapter, 3rd verse. And the second commandment follows suit in that we have made graven images for ourselves and worshipped at the altar of money, or the love of it, the love of pleasure, and thus have shattered these commandments to fragments, for we have forgotten the one true and living God, having made for ourselves in these worldly images born of our own vain imaginations. We have sought after that which is perishing to give us comfort and happiness in the day, forgetting that tomorrow pays the dividends of consequence. And things will simply never satisfy the lasting hunger down deep in our soul we search for. I'm talking about completion and wholeness of mind and spirit and body, the understanding that we are eternal beings created by an eternal God, and so that we may love him as he loves us, and that we may glorify him in his image forever and forevermore, that we may dwell in the house of the Lord to find our joy and peace and satisfaction, and yes, even a lasting happiness. We all need to think about that a while, for there is coming an appointed day, the Bible promises, a day forthcoming when at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, verses 10 through 11.
main point number two. I mentioned a while ago pertaining specifically to Jewish feast days and also Christian observances that parallel the seasons of our faith. High holy days they are. We will be considering those days of solemn repentance and the times of glorious celebration, marking those significant religious events in which the Lord himself has once ordained, I think. When Jesus Christ was physically born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem, he wasn't born on the 25th day of December, as most Christians mark that day for observance of his birth. We mark that day uh, as more of a Christian tradition, but it is, it is the significance of the day which shall always be first and foremost of our focus. Without Christ being born as a man, without his earthly ministry to bear witness to our souls through his word, without Christ going to the cross there, ultimately to suffer and die for the sins of the world, then none of us would have any hope beyond the grave. The significance of Christ's first coming is beyond question or doubt. However, it is believed by many biblical scholars that Christ was born at or very near the time of the Jewish feast, Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets, as it is also known. Now, there's nothing wrong with setting aside December 25th to mark a special day for Christ's birth, although some Christians refuse to do that. But I'll not delve into the reason here for their belief. The main idea is this. Christ was born into the world. He suffered death once for us. He was raised from death to life. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so presently we are awaiting that awesome day for his return to this world, a day which will establish his rightful kingdom and place his enemies under his feet. His birth most likely coincided with this special feast day. But as the Jewish calendar fluctuates, exacting a date of his birth makes it nearly impossible to pinpoint. Mid-September to early October seems to be the consensus of the season, though, when Jesus Christ might have been born into the flesh and became a man. We must remember, before he was born into the flesh, he always was and always will be one in union with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so, as we look back, we remember it was Christ who once suffered and died a most horrifying death upon the cross. It was in the time of Passover season, in the spring, by all accounts, he did so. Christ, through his bodily resurrection, though, fulfilled the feast of first fruits, for he is, the Bible says, the firstborn from the dead. Colossians 1:18. And so it was he fulfilled also the observance of unleavened bread, for leaven is symbolic of sin, and Christ was holy, sinless, without blot or blemish. Jesus Christ was to become the Paschal Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice, holy and blameless, whereas the shedding of his blood makes perfect atonement for our sin before a holy God. While the Jewish people still observed this most solemn day set aside, known as Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, a day of fasting and a time for deep spiritual examination of one's soul it is. It is also a very sobering time, most certainly a humbling time for seeking the Lord in true repentance 
Whereas for Christians, however, repentance still plays its solemn role in our daily lives, or it should, even as we are called in the New Testament to, to examine ourselves. Yet the final atonement for our sin is completed. That is, if we have received this free gift of God's grace and love through Jesus Christ. For the Bible makes clear we are saved by the grace of God alone through his mercy and kindness. And we should never take for granted our salvation either. The Lord paid too great a price to win us over. He paid a debt that we could never repay. Of course, and an overwhelming debt that we have all owed God for our rebellion and waywardness, which now has been paid in full in the fullness of time at the cross of his own suffering and sorrows. Next, we come to the Feast of Tabernacles, also known as Booths, a time when the Jewish people remembered the Exodus and Moses leading the people into the wilderness in their exile out of Egypt. But the thrust of, this, thrust of this celebration is to bring glory to God, the people being thankful for how good and faithful God was to them, providing their every need in their 40 years of wandering, looking for that promised land. Some people believe the time immediately following the Great Tribulation, the return of the Lord to this earth, may occur during this time, and the time of tribulation itself paralleling the Day of Atonement for the Jewish people. As Christians, first we should see the Feast of Tabernacles in the light that we are all wandering in the wilderness of our sin. Until that day when Christ redeems us and makes atonement in our heart, for in effect he takes away the stony heart of our sinful intentions and gives us a heart of flesh, even the flesh of the Son of God, for as once we were created in his image, so then we shall be fulfilled in his likeness one day too. Jesus Christ is our tabernacle, our dwelling place as it were, for throughout all of eternity it will be so. If we have been born once more through the power of his Holy Spirit, the same power that has raised Christ Jesus from the grave, it is simply amazing if you give some thought to the reality of Christ in us. One final thought in this point. Many people also believe, whereas the rapture, or the taking of the way of the church from out of the world, an event preceding the great tribulation, may take place on or very near the Feast of Trumpets. It wouldn't surprise me at all. It would be just like the Lord to do something wonderful as that, for the Old Testament coincides perfectly with the New Testament. And remember this also. Christ never did away with the Ten Commandments, nor any part of his word found written in the Old Testament writings. Rather, he has fulfilled and is fulfilling every letter written down in his word. The point is this. As Christians, we must be watching, praying, and looking for the Lord's return, no matter the season of time. For Jesus said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Matthew twenty four thirty six. We come to main point number three. I need say one more thing regarding the, the interesting parallels we've briefly been covering concerning Old Testament feast days and what has been fulfilled and what will be fulfilled in the future by Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And that is this amazing time we Christians recognize as Pentecost, whereas the Holy Spirit once descended upon the disciples. For as the book of Acts tells us so, in that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing and mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Acts 2, 2. It is the seal of promise, as it were, the power of Christ's Holy Spirit filling his people, comforting them, instructing them, and sealing them until the day of redemption and the time of our blessed hope, when Christ at last will walk with all who believe upon his name. It's interesting, the Jewish people were looking for this event and still are, and yet all things will be fulfilled unto them in God's good time. It is a promise of God that can never be forgotten. Friends, we are in the last days. There is little to be fulfilled. I've been telling you how the days have been getting darker and the world is becoming more anxious. Are you prepared to meet the Lord should he come at any time? Is Jesus your Savior? So in closing, I wish to say there is a coldness in the air and a groaning in the earth, and at any moment the Lord may return, maybe even this October. For October is perhaps, like I said, my most favorite time of the year. I was raised in a church that observed All Souls Day late in this month. It always fell around the time of Halloween, and I wondered why. I've come to understand why, though, and that is because the fall is a holy time of the year and the devil is most active with his evil ways, it would seem, whenever the word of the Lord is is spoken or God is being worshipped or praised at great celebration. Something to think about for those who scoff at the notion there is a real devil. Who is the greatest? Who is also the greatest deceiver and destroyer, the enemy of our mortal souls? Well, goodbye for now, folks. May the peace and love of God guard your hearts in this evil day we live. Remember, the cross is our victory, and Christ is our victor. Whereas no man, no evil entity on earth or under heaven can stand against him. I always reference my book and invite you to explore the depth of its meaning, for much of what I say in my podcast is derived from the writings in my book. My book is Americans We Were. It is available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thank you for listening. Till we meet again, I am Henry Thomas Weber.